uh, for us tonight, and uh, it's definitely something this man has studied and loves this topic, and it's a, uh, one of the things that we value around here at Big Valley Grace. Will you guys welcome Scott as he comes up to teach? <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm glad to be here. Um, my name is Scott. I'm a grateful believer in Christ who's in recovery from alcohol and drugs. Hi, everybody. Um, here and around the world. Let me pray. Lord, um, as Scott said, this is the, the, the topic that I have uh, spent more time pondering, studying, reading about, hopefully applying, and certainly it's the topic value we built this ministry on starting from the very beginning. So would you empower this message because it is the message of the gospel. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are back online this week, and I welcome everybody. And uh, Scott and I are in a, a series of lessons that define the key values of who we are here at Big Valley Grace Celebrate Recovery. And two weeks ago, Scott kicked off this series with the value of authenticity or being authentic. And this word is something the world's starved for. And uh, why is this true pretty universally, that we are starved for a place to be authentic? Well, I believe... Our deepest longing is to be loved for who we are. Uh, and that's the whole makeup of who we are. And uh, none of us are very good, if you be honest and trust the scriptures. And, and this causes us to grow up hiding from both ourselves and other people. And uh, it's a scary thing to be truly authentic. So authenticity can only happen uh, when we find a safe place where we can actually drop those masks and be accepted, not just for the good that's in us, but also for the bad and the ugly that also exists in every human being. And sadly, uh, I have searched the world over in my spheres of influence. These places are virtually unknown, where you can find a safe place to be authentic. So as Scott shared authenticity as a value we stand upon here at Big Valley Grace Celebrate Recovery, we know through personal experience that it's this second value that I'm going to share tonight that is the essential value to any place becoming safe and allowing people to be authentic. Thus, this is one of our five core values here, and this value is grace. Grace is possibly my favorite word in the English language. It's the word that I, Scott, and the team here have focused on while serving this ministry for the last 17 years. So... What is your standard definition of grace to begin? Well, the most common definition in the Christian world is that it's unearned or unmerited favor. You may want to write that down. Uh, I'm not going to use that term tonight, uh, or I'll use it once more, I think, in the lesson. But it, it's unearned or unmerited favor, something we don't deserve but receive. Um, but I can't share on grace without telling you the story of a mentor I had many years ago in my early days in Christ. And he once said this about the word. He said, after 38 years of being a senior pastor in, in uh, the, the, the fundamental tradition of evangelicalism and studying and living the word grace, I've come to define it in one word. He said he believed that the best definition for the word grace was God's power. And we built this ministry on this foundation that, yes, it's nothing other than God's grace that can reach a life or transform a life. And in fact, from the beginning, our motto here at CR, Big Valley Grace, has been grace transforming lives, one life at a time, one day at a time. And my hope tonight is that each of us might experience this power as we accept and live 
in this God's grace. The verse that's the key truth, I think, of God's grace through recovery is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. You'll find it on the cover of all our brochures we use here at Big Valley CR. And it, it says this, but he said to me, this is God speaking to Paul, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Please notice here the connection between grace, God's power, and our weaknesses. And recognize that it takes a safe, authentic place for that to even be possible. And there's no place like Big Valley Grace Celebrate Recovery that I've found where these verses are lived out more consistently. Friends, unlike any other ministry I know, CR is centered around Jesus Christ and His grace, which is enough for each of us to not only receive eternal life, but also then to have our lives transformed into His likeness. As together, we drop the mask, get authentic, boast of our weaknesses, and together share this journey of life together. It's in this culture of grace here that allows people to be real and authentic. Friends, for me, when I first came into recovery, I did not want to be here. I did not want to quit drinking or doing drugs. But I had to keep coming back to stay out of jail. And slowly, I began to hear answers that I thought I had figured out that were obviously all wrong. This is what I learned early is called classic stinking thinking. It was here in the rooms of recovery that I began to hear from God through people like you in this spiritual program of action, the lesson I will share so freely with you tonight. Before I get to our acrostic, I want to ask you a question. It's maybe the most important question you could be asked. It's a spiritual question, and it's a question about your relationship with God and what you believe. And I ask you to just close your eyes wherever you are listening and uh, ask yourself Imagine this question in this situation in your life. I ask you this question. If you were to die today, in this moment, and we certainly hope that does not happen, and you went up to heaven and you actually met God, and he said to you, I'm real. I know you thought a lot about me down there on planet Earth, but now you know I'm real, and heaven's right over my shoulder. Why should I let you in? What would your answer be? What are you saying in your head right in this moment your answer to God would be? Hold on to that answer. I'll get back to it in a moment. But let me be honest. For the first 42 years of my life, I lived in a very confused and perplexing status regarding what I would have said to God. But everything began to shift for me in 1994. I'd been sober for over four years, praying a prayer at the end of every meeting through my crazy, fabled, false beliefs. That day... In 1994, I was sitting in front of a 7-Eleven in Merced, California, when God first opened my ears to what I teach tonight. And he did that through a man I was training for the job I was performing at that time in my life. I'll never forget it. I did not even believe what he told me at the time. In fact, I pushed back pretty hard on him at the time. Yet, as you'll see, I let it stick a little bit that I began to open my mind and my heart to what was this guy talking about? Because you see, in those days, I'd lived 42 years figuring I had it all figured out. I figured what this faith was and what Christianity was and who God was. 
and I thought I had it all right. And here was this guy rocking my world, saying things that sounded too good to be true, and I couldn't even believe it was possible. But that day, for some reason, I began to hear. And as you're going to hear, it's the key to our authenticity and growth that we stand on as a value here tonight. So let's look at the acrostic for tonight. Imagine, it's the word grace, G-R-A-C-E. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write it down. But the G in God's grace means that this gift of God's grace is a gift to you. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about it. A gift is not a gift if anything's attached to it. You know, families can give you a gift and there's always some strings attached. It's not a gift. There's expectations attached to that gift. A gift is a free gift and there's no strings attached. So I ask you, what gift of any value, consider this, what gift of any value have you ever refused and said, I don't want it? I've thought a lot about this. I don't say no to even bad gifts. I'll receive anything somebody wants to give me. And, and yet, here is a gift that billions on planet Earth, many who are listening here tonight, up to this point at least, have freely rejected. And I guarantee you, in my opinion, many of you have not responded because you're just like me back in those days. You think you've got it all figured out. And you've got this stinking thinking about who God is and what it's really about to know him and believe in him. Well, tonight if you're listening, hopefully you're going to respond because you're going to hear the good news I began to hear all those many years ago. Please stay with us for the next 20 minutes. It may be the most important 20 minutes of your life. Know that this grace, just like the description is, is it's unmerited favor. It cannot be deserved. You can't barter for it, trade for it, and you certainly can't live up to some standard to receive it by works, by performance that would say, you're good enough, so God's going to give you the gift. It's simply an unattached, no-strings-attached gift from the God of the universe. Let's look at Ephesians 2.8 that tells us this, for it is by grace you've been saved. That means received inner life, uh, eternal life. And that's done through faith. And this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God. No strings attached. Not through work so that nobody could post like we all think it is before my stinking thinking used to tell me. Friends, why is this grace my favorite word? Because it's the gospel or good news that he offers each of us as his greatest of all gifts. That is his power to save a wretch like me and no offense intended, a wretch like you, and give you this gift of eternal life. This is what this man began to explain many years ago that blew me away. He explained that God is not the God I thought he was. This is a God who offers grace, unconditional forgiveness, and unmerited favor upon your life. And he told me I didn't have to do a thing to receive it. I was not buying it on that day, but it planted a seed that made me curious. And ask myself, could I have been that wrong my whole life? So what is the key that unlocks this power, this free gift so that we receive if it's not performance or living up to some standard or cleaning up my life enough to get it? It's right there in that same verse. That's the R of the word grace. It's received by this simple thing called faith. Let me read again and listen closely for how it's received. Look at what God tells every human being. For it's by grace I offer you eternal life, through faith. 
Friends, it's not by doing or being anything. It's simply by believing what we call saving faith. This is why Jesus rocked the world of false religions when he came. Every other religion is religion. In other words, it's bad news. It's the gospel of works. It says you have to be something to get into God's favor. Christianity says it's nothing to do with you. That day, I could not put my head around this the first time I heard it. As I said, I pushed back, pretty much telling the guy he was nuts. I was his boss. You see, I sat there so sure I knew who God was, and I was sure he had all these expectations and rules that I'd heard plenty about my whole life that I had failed to live up to that made me not want anything to do with that God. Thank God that that man confidently stuck by his story. It would only be a few weeks later I heard that he was telling me the truth and that I'd been wrong all those years. One of the great verses that speaks to this is Philippians 3.9. It says this. It says, through his grace, we no longer count on being saved, receiving eternal life by being good enough or obeying God's laws, but by trusting Christ to save me, to save you. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith, counting on Jesus Christ alone. This is the truth of how God's work. Grace and salvation is a free gift through faith, and it's not a human thought. A human wouldn't have thought up this method. No, every other belief is a religion born out of human thought because we live in a performance-based world that says if we're good, we receive good. If we're bad, receive bad and punishment. Every other religion comes out of that thought. Friends, don't be like I was for so long putting God into a box of human thinking like I did and so many other faiths do. This is why we need the Bible. God set up a much, much better way to receive heaven and eternal life. In fact, he knew it really is the only way, the only hope any of us would ever have given who we are, if we're authentic. So tonight, please hear, heaven is God's gift and we receive it freely by faith and we built this ministry on this truth and offer this grace hopefully to you the same way he gave it to us every week. Next, the A, once you've received the gift, the A tells us that we're all embraced by the fact that we're accepted by God's love. Not because of who we are, God forbid, that wouldn't get it, me or any of us very far. We're accepted because of who God is, and God is love. Romans 5, 8 tells us God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. One of my more favorite places that this deals, where we deal with all of these topics, his love and grace and our need to be authentic, is found in Hebrews 4. We're told here in God's word that his word is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces and penetrates us. It divides us. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. And it says nothing will be hidden from God's sight. Pretty scary to any one of us being authentic. Yet it goes on to explain that Jesus came to earth and just like us was tempted in every way we were, being fully God, fully man, yet he was without sin. And through that experience, it gave him a deep understanding and ability to sympathize with our failures because he knows how hard it is to live in this world and, and be tempted. And so knowing all this, 
and knowing that our resp response as human beings is to run to the hills and put on our masks and be unauthentic all day in the sight of everything being revealed before a holy God, he said this. Knowing all this, he said, don't throw on the masks and hide. Don't go and be unauthentic. He said, be authentic. Approach the throne of God's grace with confidence. On the screen, it's put like this. Let us then feel very secure that rather than run and hide and wear masks, we can come before God's throne where he is what? We find grace. Rather than condemnation or rejections, we will receive mercy and grace to help us in all our struggles that we're authentic about existing in and living out. Is that beautiful or what? That's not the God I once thought he was. Friends, you have to understand that until Jesus, nobody ever, ever, ever approached God with confidence. That was something that never happened until Jesus came and died and the veil was torn between God and man so that we can approach his holiness with all our imperfections. And instead of mortal fear, punishment, and condemnation, what do we receive? Mercy. What do we find and help us in our time of need? Grace. What's the definition? His power. How is this possible? Because we've been accepted into his love. Friends, that's simply amazing. Amazing grace. How could it be true that God would save a wretch like me, a wretch like you, that is the C of our acrostic. Simply put, Christ paid the price. From before creation, God knew we would blow it and there would be only one answer to how people such as us would ever be able to be with him eternally or grow to be like him on this planet of earth. And that was through an act of amazing sacrifice on his part. So he sent his one and only son, who is himself God, to die for our sins so that through simple faith in him, we can receive all this love and grace. And friends, 750 years before Christ, that's a long time, 750 years. Think about the world 750 years ago, very, very strangely different. But 750 years before Christ, the prophet Isaiah spoke of this truth that Christ would come and be a suffering God and that he'd suffer for us. He said this, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that bought, brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we were healed. He was and is the sacrificial, sacrificial lamb of God who had to die once for all because he did not come into this world to condemn the world like I once believed, but to save the world from our sins, just as he said in John 3. Ephesians 1, 7 says this, In Christ we're set free by the blood of his death, and, we, and so we have forgiveness of our sins. How rich is God's grace? This is a statement right here, but tonight I want to turn it into a question. How rich is God's grace? It's so rich that it provided or will provide your faith which the Bible tells us is worth more than any earthly possession, than all the earthly possessions that have ever existed. 
because it's this faith that will give us eternal life. And ultimately, it'll also give us the power to clean up the wreckage of our lives here in the rooms of recovery. It's that grace that transforms lives, one life at a time, one day at a time. Finally, the last letter is E. This describes his love, so important, so important. Different than the world, different than many faiths and churches even. It's an everlasting love. Do you know that this descriptor of God's love is found in some form over 70 70 times in the scriptures? It upsets me that so many preach a different gospel that says God is a liar and somehow his love isn't everlasting. That somehow there's a way you can lose his love and your salvation once you've been saved and have received it. I don't know how you figure that when 70 times over it says it's eternal and everlasting. 35 times we're told that his love endures forever. 32 times we're told that it is unfailing. And let's be honest, given this authentic grace-filled lesson, why is that important? It's so important for those of us left who struggle with our sin. And we all do if we're authentic. And when we do, what do we naturally think? Because we live in a performance-based world. We fall back to our human thinking that tells us he's mad at us, that he's withdrawing from us, he's ready to punish us. Oh, no. Once we've received this gift, God's grace is sealed upon us. The Bible tells us once we're saved and are in his everlasting love by his spirit that we are sealed for the day of redemption. Sealed. Nothing can ever take it away from us. His love will never fail. It endures forever, over and over. He tells us this. And possibly the most affirming verse of this everlasting love, we're told in Romans 8 that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the very powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, that is great news and that is grace. That is why Christianity is not a religion. No, it's good news. So let me take you back to that question I asked at the beginning. When you face God and he says, why should I let you into my heaven right over my shoulder? What did you think in that moment? What was your answer? Why do you think he would give you that gift of heaven when you die? Listen closely. I found that your answers fall into one of three categories. I get this because at different points in my life, I believed and wrestled and believed and put my faith in all three of these possibilities. And I'm a pastor now who asks this question to a lot of people because I want them to know the grace I found, the grace I was gifted by the God of the universe. But the first and most common answer I get, a whole lot of answers like this, even people who come to church, I get this answers. And it falls into what I would call, with quotes, the I've tried category. It goes something like this. God, I've lived a pretty good life. You're a loving God. I've tried to be a good person. I did a bunch of good things. You'll let me in, won't you? That's something of the phrase. And I'm sure many of you thought the I've tried thought. 
when I said, what would you say of God? Many of you may be in the second category that says, I've given up on that thought because I know you wouldn't have anything to do with me. And in recovery, we bump into a lot of those people because nobody comes into a recovery on a winning streak, many at rock bottom. And they think God has abandoned them and there's no hope because they will never live up to any standard that God would receive them. Both of these thoughts are what I call the eternal scales way of thinking. That, that really is a, the way I used to think. It's, it's a, the stinking thinking I used to think that God was some mean old judge up there watching every move I made. And somebody told me he even knew my thoughts, God forbid. He does. But it's grace, not what I once thought. Because I used to think that every time I did something good, I'm going to try, God. I'm going to try. I'll do something good. Who? He put that on the side of the scale that said, good job, Scott. But, oh, Lord, then I went and thought that. I went and thought that, and Lord, I know you're putting that on that side of the scale, and all I've got is that when I breathe my last breath, would that scale tip in my direction? False lies and religion that I once believed. And I trust that some of you answered that you have messed up your life and have the there's no hope category. I once believed that. It drove me to the insanity of atheism. All of these are the horrors of man-made religions, not God's economy or God's train of thought. So, if you're here and you're in one of those two trains of thought, I ask you to join the third group. This is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Join the third group and receive the good news. Receive the gift tonight. All you have to do is put all the trash aside of what you've ever believed and believed is as simple as God says it is, that you're saved by grace through faith. Tonight, just believe. Please bow your heads with me. Lord, I don't know how many people are hearing this message tonight in September of 2020. How many are hearing it because it may be on the radio or a website or whatever? How many ever days, months, or years in the future? But should you tarry your return, this is the message you want preached. You want people to hear what I heard that day and were said. You're not the God they think you are. You're not a God of condemnation and punishment and disappointment and judgment of, of eternal scales. You're a God who blew the scales out of the water through you sending your son here. There are no eternal scales. It's just through faith. So tonight, if you've heard this message and you, you know your answer was either uh, uh, I tried answer or I'm not worthy, I'll never get there answer tonight, just, just say this prayer wherever you are. It might be 2030. Just say, God, I heard it tonight. You're not who I thought you were. You want me to receive this gift. And I don't, re I, I hear tonight, I don't reject any gift. So tonight I receive this gift and all it is I do is believe in your son, Jesus. I ask you to be my savior. Forgive me of my sins and free me from the fears and the lies I've lived up to this point in my life. 
And I accept you now through your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I get a chance to lead a lot of people in that prayer as a pastor. Such a blessing to me. You can only imagine, I'm sure. But whenever I, I have somebody say, yeah, I'll say that prayer, and they get on their knees, and usually the tears flow. Hopefully you had some emotion if you prayed that prayer tonight. I always turn to John 6, John 6, 47, I think. And uh, it's the simplest presentation of the gospel I've found. And Jesus himself said these words, so it's true, or he's not our Savior. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. And the key word is has. There's no he who believes and lives up to some standard. It's no he who believes and turns his life around. It's no he who believes and gets baptized. No, it's he who believes through faith receives the free gift of God and is saved in that moment would you celebrate tonight the beauty of the gospel let me close in prayer Lord what a privilege <laughs> this atheistic drug addict who once rejected you and tore you down of the hubris of, of my soul Lord you had a plan the whole time that song tonight you have been faithful whole life through even the days I was I was a, a, a loud enemy of you you had a plan and that you led me to that store in Merced California with with that gentleman who shared the gospel and then led me to this church where I got saved Lord thank you for those who received faith and salvation tonight as your gift thank you for those of us who already are in that third group and are celebrating those salvations but also being strengthened in ours because the enemy is good at what he does. He wants to tell us you're pulling away, you're mad at us, and we just need to be told your love is everlasting. It endures forever. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, people. Let's rise wherever you are, say the serenity prayer, and go to group. Join me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Go to group. See you next week. God bless.